Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We continue our study of Christianity 101. Today we're looking at God's purity for your life. There is little question that we are experiencing a moral crisis in our country. Take the area of pornography. 665 million pornographic videos were rented in 1996. That's according to U.S. Today. The number of pornography outlets now dwarfs the number of McDonald's restaurants in the United States. Adultery. USA Today report says that up to 50 to 60% of Americans admit to committing adultery. We have the highest divorce rate in the world, according to Save America. In 2007, 48% of high school students have had premarital sex, according to the CDC. Barna Research, a Christian research organization, says that 60% considered acceptable for unmarried people to cohabit. 42% approve of extramarital sex. 38% approve of pornography. 30% find homosexuality acceptable. And those who consider themselves to be Christians, who say they believe the Word of God, don't fare much better in these surveys. 50% of Protestants say they believe it is okay for men and women to live together outside of marriage. Today, even many who call themselves religious just follow along with the immoral crowd and commit fornication and adultery. Newsweek reports that couples therapists estimate that among their clientele, the number of women cheating on their husbands is close to 30 to 40 percent compared with 50% of men, and the gap is almost certainly closing. The best interpretation of the data is that cheating rate among women is approaching that of men, and that is from the new infidelity in July of 2003. Barner did an in-depth survey based on more than 22,000 personal interviews conducted nationwide. And they found out that 59% of born-again busters, and that's the people the 20 to 30 age range, representing the majority of young Christian adults, felt cohabitation was acceptable. 80% of non-Christian busters felt cohabitation was acceptable. 
we are experiencing a moral meltdown, not only outside the church in America, but inside the church as well. But I want you to know that God's Word is absolutely clear that immorality is an abomination unto Him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, we read, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Of this list of ten different types of people, four of those deal with sexual immorality. He says, don't be deceived. Because people deceive themselves in this area of sexual immorality. Somebody goes and robs a bank. We can all look at that and say, man, that's wrong. He's going to go to jail. But people have premarital sex. There are no apparent immediate consequences. And so people say, they're consenting adults. Nobody's getting hurt. It's okay. Why not? That's being deceived. Paul says, do not be deceived. Ephesians 5, 5. For this you know with certainty, no question about it, it's certain, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That's for certain. Don't be deceived. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And then Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. Marriage is to be held, excuse me, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves practicing lying. And that's talking about being outside of heaven. God's Word is clear. His purity for your life is to abstain from sexual immorality in action as well as in your heart. Our passage today speaks to that very subject as the Lord Jesus clearly gives us His Word. In respect for the Word of God, let me ask you to stand as I will read verses 1 through 8 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk, and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in lustful passion, like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. Because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. 
just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You may be seated. Jesus gives us clear instructions on this subject of sexual immorality. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I thought Paul was writing this. Yes, Paul is writing this, but let me tell you, Jesus is speaking through Paul. I know this first of all because of the word commandment that's listed there. He says, finally, brethren, verse 4, for you know what commandments we give you. This word commandment is the word for a military order that the general gives the order and it's passed down the ranks. Jesus gives the order. Paul is simply passing along the king's order. And he makes it clear when he says, we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It's not Paul who is speaking from his own authority on this subject. He is speaking with the authority of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ knows and is well aware of the sexual pressures that are put on people in our society. He was aware of the sexual pressures put on the Thessalonians when he wrote this to them. They were a Greek culture. Sexual immorality was common and expected. In fact, it was a regular part of the pagan religions. And to these people, these Christians in this type of culture, Jesus comes and says the will of God for you is to abstain from sexual immorality. Now, Paul gives us eight reasons why the Christian is to stay clear, to abstain, and that word abstain means to keep oneself from sexual immorality. Now, that word sexual immorality is the Greek word pornea, which we get our English word pornography. The Greek word refers to all illicit sexual relations. Not just fornication, but it also covers adultery. It also covers homosexuality. And remember that Jesus makes it clear, not only the outward act, but the condition of the heart is very important in moral purity. Eight reasons why you as a Christian are called on to maintain moral purity in your life. Number one. Because immorality displeases God. Paul says in verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction on how you ought to walk and please God. Paul says there to walk and please God, and that walk involves sexual purity. The Christian is to live to please the God who saved him. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. Our desire is to live a life that is pleasing to our Lord. To live in immorality is to live to please yourself. It is not to live. To please God. 
A Christian cannot commit sexual immorality and live a life that is pleasing to God. Hear me clearly. You cannot believe the lies of Satan about sexual immorality and live a life that's pleasing to God. You cannot, by clever rationalization, commit sexual immorality and live a life that is pleasing to your God. So number one reason not to commit sexual immorality is because it displeases God. Number two reason, it is against God's will for you. Verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Remember that word sanctification means holy, holification. God's will for you is for you to have a holy life. And then Paul makes it clear, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. God's will for you is your spiritual growth into spiritual maturity into holiness, into purity. His will for you is to set yourself apart from the ways of society and live God's way. Christians are called saints. It's not just those special people that are called saints in the Scriptures, but in the New Testament, every born-again believer is called a saint, a holy one. What does that mean? That means a separate one, one who is to live separated from the ways of society. And as a Christian, you and I ought to live our lives separated from the immorality of our society. You cannot commit immorality and grow spiritually. There's no way. You cannot commit immorality and walk in holiness. You cannot commit immorality and walk in God's purity for your life. Don't be deceived. You cannot do it. Oh, but we love each other. We're planning on getting married. That doesn't matter. You cannot live in immorality and walk in holiness before your God. You don't even have to ask God if you should commit fornication. He says in His Word, it's clear, this is the will of God for you, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Third reason. If sexual immorality dishonors your body, verse 4, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Now the word vessel, he's referring to a person's body. To maintain sexual purity is to honor your body. It's to treat your body as a prize. It's to put great value on your body. To commit immorality is to dishonor your body. It is to cheapen your body. It is to degrade your body. Paul talks about this over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, where again he says, Flee immorality, for every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. As a Christian, that body you have is not yours. 
You don't have total right over that body. It belongs to the Lord. He has bought it through the death and shedding of His precious blood. You can't just go out and do anything you want to with that body. He lives within you. And as a Christian who has Christ in you, when you commit immorality, you're exposing Christ to that sin. Because it's a sin in your body. And Christ is in your body. And so when you're involved in sexual immorality, you are bringing Christ into that immoral relationship. Your body is to be used to honor and serve Him and glorify Him. Fourth reason we should not commit sexual immorality is that it is characteristic of unbelievers, not Christians. He says, not in lustful passion, verse 5, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now, believers live in lustful passion. To commit immorality is to also live in lustful passion. Satan says, oh, but it's love. But you love each other so much. It's love to share this most intimate relationship. God says it's nothing but lustful passion. Satan lies and said, it's sweet. It's lovely. God says, if they are not your spouse, it is nothing but pure, lustful passions. Don't be deceived. It's not lovely. It's not sweet. Outside of marriage, it is lustful passions, and you're living like a heathen. You're living like a pagan. 1 John 3, verses 7 and 8, John gives a stern warning to those who think the way they live does not reflect their spiritual condition. You see, there were those in John's day when he was writing this who, who were thinking, well, if, if you believe right, then that's okay. You can act like you want to. Your body's not that important. What you're doing out here is not that important. What's important is you believe right. You know, I believe God. I believe Jesus is God's son. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he was resurrected, Right? I put my faith in Him. I trust Him. Well, now it doesn't matter how I act. I can go do the way I want to go. It was the Gnosticism of John's day. We have a brand of that Gnosticism I see in the church today where people have joined the church. They have at one point in time in their lives made a profession of faith, but now they think they can live in immorality, flaunting it, thinking, well, it's okay, I believe right. I, it doesn't matter how I live as long as my beliefs are correct. John says that is a lie of Satan. Look at what he says. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. There's that word deceive again. Now, this tells me, folks, that it is very easy to be deceived when it comes to this area of sexual immorality. Because God keeps warning us over and over again, don't be deceived you see there's such a strong natural biological desire 
to be involved in a sexual relationship, it is so easy for us to rationalize in our mind, well, God made me this way. You know, God just ought to take this desire away. How can He expect me to live with this raging passion inside of me? He, you know, I'm a man. He made me this way. Don't be deceived. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin. That is, continually, habitually commits sin. Because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Now that's clear. John is writing to these people, again, who thought they could live like they wanted to. As long as they believed right, it was okay. John says, no, that is deception. The way you live does reflect what you really believe. And there's no way you can live like the devil and call yourself a child of God and be one. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what prayers you've prayed, what confessions you have made, how many times you've been baptized. John says if you're not living a righteous life, you have absolutely no assurance that you're born again. In fact, the question is, how can you live like that and be born again? He says, the Spirit of God is in you, the seed of God, and He won't let you live that way. He will convict you. He will bring you down. He will discipline you. God is serious about this area of sexual immorality. The church of Jesus Christ in the United States needs to get serious about it. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, on the television, on the movies, it's acceptable, isn't it? You know, when I was growing up, the first date you had, you kissed, you were, you were kind of stretching it to even kiss on the first date. Nowadays, from looking at the television and, and, and looking at the movies, you go, don't go to bed on the first date, man. You, you, you're straight. You're square. Fifth reason, you must not commit immorality. It cheats someone else. Verse 6, that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. Because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warn you. Who's the avenger? The Lord is the avenger. He says, see to it. That no man transgress and defraud his brother. Cheat his brother in this matter. How in the world are you cheating a brother, a Christian brother, when you commit immorality? Well, it's somebody's daughter. It may be somebody's wife. And it might well be somebody's sister. And when you commit immorality, when you're involved in a sexual relationship with someone that's not your spouse, you are cheating their future spouse. You're taking something that does not belong to you. You're taking something that is to be saved for their spouse in the future. And therefore you are cheating them. You are robbing them. Fornication is robbing the future marriage partner. 
And number six, it brings God's discipline on you. Verse six, who is the avenger? God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God will avenge. When we are involved in sexual immorality, it puts us under the disciplined hand of God. God sees it. He knows it. And the Bible says God will not be mocked. But a man sows that shall he reap. Do not be deceived and think you can be involved in sexual immorality and not someday reap what you've sown. You may reap it in a sexually transmitted disease. You may reap it in AIDS. You may reap it in a marriage that is filled with mistrust. How many marriages are affected by immorality that occurred prior to that marriage? Either with that person or with somebody else. The hand of God's discipline will come into your life if you continue to be involved in sexual immorality. Number seven, you must not commit sexual immorality because it denies your call by God. Verse seven, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. God has called you for holiness. God has called you to be different. God has called you to grow in spiritual maturity, not impurity. God has called us to grow into Christ's likeness. We've seen God's plan for us. And when you're involved in immorality, you are not following God's plan. You are not following God's call. You're going just the opposite of God's call for you. And then number eight. It shows you are rejecting God. Verse 8. So he who rejects this, this being live in sexual purity and abstain from sexual immorality. He who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives the Holy Spirit to you. You're not rejecting me if you continue to live in sexual immorality. You're rejecting God. You can go out of here and say, man, that preacher was fired up today, wasn't he? Man, he's just old-fashioned. You know, he, he, he just needs to get into the real world. You're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God. And let me tell you something else. You go out of here and you continue in immorality. You're listening over the Internet. You go out after hearing this message and continue to be involved in immorality. You're not hurting me. You're not getting back at me. You're hurting yourself. You are bringing consequences in your life that in the future that you cannot even imagine right now. But you can be certain the wages of sin is death and God will not be mocked. Those are eight reasons why the Christian is not to be involved in sexual immorality. Now, let me give you the solution. 
how you can keep from being involved in sexual immorality. Okay, preacher, you convinced me. Now I'm ready to get out of it. How would I do it? The key is the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, it says in verse 8, But the God who gives His Holy Spirit to you, that's the key. You cannot do it in your own strength. But God has not asked you to. He says, I will give you the strength through my Spirit to maintain moral purity. First, it's the Holy Spirit that creates a desire for God's Word in us. We see in 1 Peter chapter 2. Long for the pure milk of the Word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Just as a young baby craves the milk of the Spirit, excuse me, the milk of its mother, so a young Christian craves the milk of the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that gives that craving within us. And the key to spiritual purity and strength is God's Word. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you the desire to feast on the Word. Psalm 119.9 says, how can, a one, how can a young man keep his way pure? By following God's Word. Number two, it is the Holy Spirit that teaches us truth. John 14.26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us God's truth. Now that's important because we've already seen how easy it is to be deceived when it comes to these matters of sexual immorality. And so the opposite of deception is truth. And it's the Holy Spirit who will reveal to you that you have been deceived. You know, one of the very definitions of deception is you don't realize it. I mean, if you realized it, you wouldn't be deceived anymore, right? And it's the Holy Spirit who will, real, who will reveal to you the flaw in your rationalization, the deception in your previous way of thinking, rationalizing somehow, some way that you can commit sexual immorality and it doesn't affect your walk with God and it's okay. He will reveal to you the lies of Satan in this area. He will reveal to you the principles of God's Word that you ought to follow. He will teach you how to overcome immorality. Number three, the Holy Spirit enables us to recall God's Word. Ephesians 6, talking about our spiritual armor, says, Take up the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That sword is that Word God gives you when you're doing spiritual warfare that will defeat the enemy. It's that Word that God gives you, that Scripture that God gives you. And as you study the Word of God and, and you find yourself being tempted in this area, the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind Scriptures that will enable you to stand against it. When you're... Con tempted in immorality, the Holy Spirit may well bring up just this verse we've seen today. The will of God for you is that you abstain from sexual immorality. And in that word will be the power for you to say no. Fourth, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live in purity. Galatians 5.16 But I say walk by the Spirit 
and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Live by the power of God's Spirit. And you won't carry out that immoral desires of the flesh. It's the power of the Spirit. Lean on Him. Look to Him. Moment by moment. Every day. Be filled. We've seen that He is God's power for you. And He will empower you to say no. To live righteously. If you're having a problem with it, next time you go on that date, take your Bible and put your Bible between you and that girl. I believe it'll help. You're having a problem, don't be alone. Flee, the Scripture says. And that brings us to the last point. The Holy Spirit provides a way out of the temptation. But there's no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also. That you will be able to endure it. Can't say, man, it was just too, too much temptation. I could not resist. No. God will not allow that to happen. There's no excuse. He will provide a way out. As he says in 2 Timothy 2, Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. If you're serious about maintaining moral purity, then you need to make sure you are not flirting with this sin. You don't give yourselves the opportunity to be alone. I know young people who call themselves Christians who will sleep in a bed together. But they say to me, but we didn't do anything. I was born on Monday, but it wasn't last Monday. You play with fire long enough, you're going to get burned. That's just not being wise. That's just not having good sense. That's asking for trouble. That's not fleeing from immorality. Not at all. If a person's serious about maintaining moral purity, then they need to take drastic steps to do so. It's been a while since I've been 19, 20, 21, 22, but folks, I still remember the passions that raged through a young male body. And you need all the help you can get to maintain your moral purity. And you need to take drastic measures, be it put the Word of God between you, be it not allow yourself to be alone, whatever it takes. We need to be serious about it because God has not called us to sexual immorality, but He's called us to walk in holiness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You have spoken.
through your servant Paul, and you have spoken clearly. Now we look to you for that grace that we need to act upon your word, to obey it. Give us that resolve that we need to maintain moral purity. Whether it be that married man that's tempted to look at pornography on the internet, whether it be that unmarried person, give us that resolve, Lord, to walk in purity. That you might be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we sang our hymn response. I want to invite you to come and respond as the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. If you need to come and pray, there may be some out there today that need to repent. Maybe God has spoken clear to you today and you need to confess and forsake. And that's repentance. You can never walk with God and Commit sexual immorality in your heart or in your body. Let's be serious today before our Lord. Do business with your God. We stand and sing together. Step out in obedience to the Holy Spirit. You are the first. You go be-